oh you know what shit i wish i had some new year's eve shit i would have like boo i don't have any of those like silly shit with me you know what i mean like party hats yeah. i'll have to find one i'll have to find one and do uh an insert later okay all right so here we are uh shug how you doing we're here with uh episode 33 uh what is it december 30th 2020 september you said st- september that's how slow this year is going <laughs> <laughs> oh did i say that all right yeah so it's december 30th 2020 and uh during the week is uh usually we, we record on the weekends but this is hump day and uh so basically uh me and sherry got some things we want to talk about like always but of course, this is the last episode that's going to uh, debut in 2020. So uh, one of the first things we want to talk about uh, in one of the one of the segments is uh, just basically 2020, like our best. Uh, we're talking about the show in 2020, and then just like in, I also want to just talk about in the year in general. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that because it's very open ended. Uh, also, another thing that happened this week, um, you know, me and show we talk uh, a lot of things that we see on social media uh in the last six months that we've been doing this a lot of uh socially conscious uh events have happened uh this basically um there was a student in uh, uh, high school in virginia mm-hmm. and years ago a like a uh, like a snapchat type uh, quick video went out and it was a, a schoolmate of his and it was a racial racial uh, slur was in the video and he kept it and it was released and we're going to talk about the uh, fallout from that and we're going to go i'm going to go even deeper with it and talk about just in the bigger scheme of social media and how that had a huge role in 2020 also yankee fans of course and uh hbo max been rocking and rolling with all these different um uh streaming documentaries and everything and Shug, you watched a movie, a documentary about one of the greatest Yankees of all time, C.C. Sabathia, Under the Grapefruit Tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was great because, like, you know, I watch all of these older ones. Like, they have the, the Dodgers and the Giants one. They have the Bates Oh, that's a good ones. one. That's a great one. Yeah, and it was like the C.C. one was, like, the first one I watched. And I'm like, I was there. Because yeah. we, we were there his last, when he threw his last pitch. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's actually the last the time. Hat. He was sweating. Yeah, it was like the last time. It's actually the last time we've been in Yankee Stadium since yeah. um COVID. So, well, I'm gonna insert the picture. When we go to the game finally next year, or the year after, Don Manley with the crazy mullet and the mustache. That's gonna be me. I'm gonna insert it right here because that was me straight up, Hitman right there. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, back in the day, like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, they had a bunch of uh, Yankee documentaries and MLB documentaries uh, on HBO. Um, the, the Dodgers in Brooklyn one, I mean, the Brooklyn and uh, Giants one was great, you know, about Robert Moses and everything. So I didn't watch the documentary yet, uh, but I have a deep knowledge of CC's life and career. So I'll be able to just bring up things uh, and I'm going to see how um, how it was brought into the movie. So you told me about that, show, you know. And then also, um, uh, just in general, uh, you've been watching a lot of things on social media, right? I mean, on uh, streaming services? Yeah. All right. So there's a bunch of them that you want to talk about, and I haven't seen any of them. Uh, I was planning on to, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts on it, and I'll see if uh, we'll do a reverse of the Save by the Bell, where I told you about it, and then I'll watch. Yeah, and I promise it will be 
extremely spoiler free, but it yeah. also goes hand in hand with what we talked about a few weeks ago with the um HBO Max um releasing movies as on streaming and also in theaters at the same time and how it worked out and yeah so we're gonna yeah. talk about that, yeah and this is gonna be something that's gonna lead into 2021 so they're gonna be doing the same thing for the whole next year so this is gonna be something we're probably gonna be doing from now on and that's gonna be episode 33 here we go let's rock and roll okay so since it's the last uh, episode of the year uh and we've been doing this for about six months um sugar in the mooney uh we wanted to talk about our uh favorite moments and the highlights of our own our own personal opinion of our best subjects and our favorite moments uh from the show but first i want to take us back to january um you know the year started off personally good you know i was you know it was like we were working together um show it was like like a part-time more so part-time and we, we were still working together and that was like the roots of what we do now like while we work together we would basically do what we we're doing now we just weren't trying to we were monetizing it in a different way you know uh but yeah so then you know like one of the first big things that happened was like you know kobe happened right that yeah. was like the first two weeks um and then a couple other things happened i know in our area uh we had the plastic ban that was going to go into effect and i was like oh man this is gonna be a big change <laughs> i was like oh well, yes. was i wrong was i wrong it sucked yeah, so like the plastic thing, and then I'm like, uh, so then a couple of weeks later, you didn't see any plastic bags on the floor anymore. You saw masks everywhere because we, you know, we went into lockdown. So uh, for me, it was like seven weeks, and then I went back to work, and where we worked shut down, and uh, that's what that's when we decided to let's start doing this. Let's we, we've been talking about it for so long. Let's start the podcast. So we did first month uh we were you know trying to figure out we're still trying to figure it out but we were just figuring it out uh we've come up with ideas and um zoom was like all over the place so we started using that figured out how we could um structure it and um you know make sense and then uh we did that for about a month and we had uh people join us um so then basically july august that's pretty much like the structure that we've been following since. So, uh, long story short, Chug, yeah, how do you feel so far? Six months into this, oh, I'm great, man. Like, I, you know, every other day, I'm like discouraged by it because you know, I feel like you know, the listeners or the amount of like viewers it, it hasn't increased the way I thought it did, but you know, every now and again, I'll hear from you know people i didn't expect to hear from telling me like you know this is great they like what we do um you know i opened youtube the other day and i saw a comment that i never i didn't really expect to see but it was really encouraging and it gave me reason to keep doing it because you know even if like the people you know very you know that are very close to us aren't like avid listeners and and avid like supporters there are like people that i do and i mean even though like our amount of listeners are like the same you know mostly the same week after week you know that does um give you an idea that we do have some some sort of following but if you guys are listening please like when you guys listen to our show you watch our stuff like 
um please you know i don't want to seem um pushy but if you guys could also like share and like and and just let people know what you like about our show because that's the one way you know we could grow you know don't don't keep it to yourself yeah we don't want to be a a dirty little secret (laughs) we don't want to be a uh dual engine that could um yeah so um how you want to do this you want to just say what's your favorite segment that we did um you know this is what i thought about it i thought like we do our best segments and this is really good for the people that probably jumped in like late um or just got interested in the show because now that we're talking about it maybe you'd go back and listen to those segments because that's what i actually did in anticipation of doing this i went back and listened to this stuff and i was like yeah you know this this is really good so um you know i got my favorite segments mike's gonna have his and also if you guys only joined in the last couple weeks you know for about uh you know, from episode eight to about like episode 27 or so, we also had a third um, uh, star of the show in um, Joel, who's a friend of mine from since I was in high school. We know each other since uh, since we were like 16, 17 years old. Uh, he used to be on the show. So we have his favorite segment and we're going to discuss it Um but uh, so uh, should like should we start with Joel's? Uh yeah, well, let's do that. Yeah, so Joel said his favorite segment was um when we talked about WAP, you know, Meg the Stallion and Cardi B's song and how it had, you know, um it kind of like took over the nation for like a couple weeks. Um, so Mike, what, what was your your thoughts on that segment? Like, what, what did you enjoy? well? <clears throat> Uh, one of my notes was going to say uh, that I like that. That was a great segment because it was very visual. And I was always uh, regretful that we never got to uh, post a video of it. So this is a perfect opportunity that I will, uh, I'll have, I'll, I'll, I'll add it to this because, um, you know, I didn't, you know, I don't hear listen to music like that anymore. You told me about it. Um, and like, I re-listened to it recently because uh, like the raw footage of it. And I was like dying, like the things we were saying about yeah. the mop. You're like, Michael, did you like this song? Whatever. What did you think about the song? And I'm like, I'm drained. <laughs> I did the whole like bit like that. And uh, you told me about how there's like a tradition of it too, like where uh, like in the islands they have like songs. You told me about the, there's a song called like the Harry Bank, right? Yeah. And then I, what I first said was, oh yeah, but this wasn't so controversial to me because I remember and then like Two Live Crew. So mm-hmm. like the visual of that, like you can like see the comparison of like over the decades how people are still like things are shocking still but like not as shocking as that people make it out to be but uh that's a good point because joel uh jr ultra he's uh he makes music so that's not surprising that he his one of his favorites was the uh, wop yeah that's pussy and <laughs> yeah it's um... funny it's a funny thing that's like a fat little ass. I used to always say, man, she got a fat little ass. <laughs> like, how do you have a fat and a little ass? You know, like an oxymoron. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can uh, I can uh, second that. That was a good one. Yeah, like, I, um, the, the thing I like talking about is because, like, um, you know, Meg and, like, Cardi B, like, you know, female rap, like, like females in our industry in of itself, 
you know, they didn't really get the kind of like, um, they don't really get that exposure and that hype um, as men do. And the other thing I always find with like the female rap industry is like they always try to like pit people against each other. Like, you know, going back to like Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown, like these two are kind of like in the same, um, are doing the same thing in different lanes, but people got to compare since there's so few of them, people got to compare like one to the other and it, it, it started a beef. So now when you see, you know, like two prominent ladies, you know, in the rap industry, like Meg and Cardi, you know, making music together. And, you know, basically that kind of like forms a bond because now all this criticism that they got, they kind of faced it, you know, together, you know, whereas like back in the day, you know, I was something where like people would have been like, oh, like Cardi had a better verse on it than Meg and da, 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 da. And then I would, you know, cause them to like beef, you know, it's kind of like a divide and conquer thing. And then the fact that it had all of these like right wing conservative people Mm. giving their two cents and you're sitting there and it's just like, yo, like who cares what you have to say? Like you could easily turn that, that off. The same way, like Mike said, like, you know, oh, like, you know, I don't really like listen to music. Like somebody would have to bring that to me, you know, and it also goes into like the parenting thing, too. I'm like, if you don't want your kids to listen to that, like it's easy, you know, it's on the parents to audit that. So that's stuff we brought up there. So I see um, why that's like Joel's favorite. But on to like my favorite, I actually kind of cheated because, you know, the two topics kind of go hand in hand which, you know, the overall theme is women um, in sports. Uh, not like, you know, players, but the women I work in male sports. And we talked about in episode 11, we talked about the toxic work, work environment that was going on with the Redskins, uh, former team formerly known as the Redskins, Washington football team. Uh, and then episode 20, we were talking about Jason Whitlock and his comments on yeah. um, Katie Nolan and Maria Taylor. And, you know, it, it's cool like, us as like men. And that's one thing we we, we definitely want to do um, better going forward, um, which is involving women in this show. If we could get more guests, I think the closest thing I've come to that was I did a bear review and I think my mom gets gets started on it. Um, but, you know, when these, um, you know, when things are back to normal and we could start, you know, going out and being around people without like social distancing and stuff like that and, you know there aren't these precautions like perhaps we could get some female guests on here but it was cool for us to talk as men and just basically like highlight like the 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 you know just to put it lack of a better word bullshit that they got to put up with like you know you're you know trying to get a job in like the administrative part of it like pr and stuff like that and working in the front office and stuff like that and you have to deal with you know, these guys sexual sexually harassing you. And then if you're a cheerleader, they want you to uh, basically like um, prostitute yourself and become strippers for like luxury box owners and stuff like that. And Jason Whitlock basically trying to um, downplay 
the accomplishments and the integrity of Katie Nolan and Maria Taylor saying like, oh, like they're only on TV and they're only on sports because of how they look. And it's just like these 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 women, all of them, like, you know, Katie Nolan, Maria Taylor, these women that had these jobs with Washington, like they're they're talented, like they're talented. Right. And to downplay is just like downright it's wrong, period. And what I remember from that is that I was saying how Withlock, it, like, if you like, because he's 20 years, 15 to 20 years older than them. So if you, his career ascending, uh, ascension is, is mirrored to theirs, where he, like, said they weren't real journalists. He, they weren't real journalists. Yeah. He was saying things like that. He started off, yes, in papers and stuff, but then he, then he made his name in, uh, the early, early days of, uh, like, uh, web, uh, forums and, uh, blogs you know he was an early guy who was doing blogs yeah. and then at that time that wasn't respected and then now that is like the that's the dominant force like paper you know like the uh paper industry is now everything's digital so basically it was ironic that he was uh he became the people that were talking down to him back mm-hmm. then and this is another and another person another person who uh like he was you know obviously he's a he's male but he's like a minority too so it's just I saw that very very ironic. I also thought I also thought he was a uh, just trying to stir the shit because we we also talked about how he stirred the shit 15 years ago when he got fired or from ESPN or whatever. So and it's crazy because I've been around um, women that know a lot of shit about sports and know sports very well, and at the same time I've been around men that don't know shit about sports and just talk out of their ass. So if that if if that shows um the that there's a quality in um sports journalism and sports period like that should show it right there like everybody has their strengths and weaknesses and it shouldn't be like you know downplayed because of sex like just because you were so there's a lot of guys you know Mike like I'll 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 meet and I'm like I'll start talking about like yo like did you see like the Giants game like, could you believe, like, this happened and I happened? And it's like, and they would turn to me and I'd be like, dude, like, I don't watch sports, man. Like, they're not my thing, blah, 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 blah. But, like, you'll go to, like, a Yankee game or, like, a Knicks game and you'll be sitting down or, or you'll be at a sports bar and you're watching a game and, like, this there's a, uh, a woman there and she's sitting on there and she sound more educated than even you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy that dynamic. That was pretty sexist, man. <laughs> that was pretty sexist. No, um, yeah, it's like when you like go to like a family event, or maybe like you start dating someone and you go to like their family for the first time, or it's like, uh, like someone you're dating's like in law, like their husband or whatever, and like, hey, you guys have fun, you guys play, you know, like joking around. You go and you're like, ah, you open a beer, and you're like, so um, with Giants, Jets, like you try to figure out like what their teams are, and they're yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't follow it. Uh, I go, no, no football. No, I, I follow uh, Real Real Madrid. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, so we ain't gonna have a conversation now. All right. Uh, we can talk about weather. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> like, we can just like we have to talk about something, man. Like, we have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you like you're a big you know big sports big sports guy, and uh, the good thing with this uh, you can intertwine it with uh, you know more serious um, subject matter too. Right. Uh, I'm gonna flip it. 
I like talking about like serious stuff, but I like to mix it with pop culture, with like entertainment, TV, movies. Um, obviously, that seems to be our dynamic at this point, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I do. I've been editing videos nonstop for us, and that's what I love to do. I do it all the time um, for years, you know. And I'm gonna say that I, I really, really love the uh, uh, Always Sunny tribute for one reason because. Uh, when you watch the raw footage, you're obviously, you're visibly irritated because you wanted this to be like 10 minutes long and it went on for like an hour 15 yeah. and uh, it was like nighttime. And, uh, but the wonderful thing that we were able to do is I was able to turn it into a joke in itself. Yeah. Like, cause you know, remember like the whole beginning really, where it's yeah, like, really <laughs> like, oh, you did not. <laughs> where it's like, oh, right, we you know, oh, you, 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 uh, I was like small talking and he kind of uh, go, uh, and you I, have your I, notes? I was I like, mean, yeah, I was like, oh, you, you have notes? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, we're supposed to be done with this. And then it cuts to uh, the logo, like they would do on Always Sunny, which I yeah, thought that was I, a I used that. Little, uh, I used moment. that as a little like promo when I like posted it on like Instagram and I posted it other places. It's a really yeah. cool video, really fun video if you guys haven't seen it yet. And that leads me to saying that, that it was the first, it was a set, well, technically it was the second um, YouTube exclusive. We did one, um, we did like a best of for the first like two months, right? yeah um that was good uh in that one episode we talked about a lot of things you know we talked about Mad Men, one of my favorite series of all time um so basically uh just generally speaking when we talk about a series or film tv even music and we can just like talk about it in a, on a deeper level and like apply it to like everyday life like social like things that are going on in like the society i think that's that's my favorite part of of, of this because uh we, even to say by the bell i talked about we went on for an hour like an hour about applying it to uh the dynamic between men and women today you know basically that's what i got from it that i was talking about like you know things over the years that were, were just stuff we watched as kids but now especially with the reboot they they're they're doing the same thing they're applying um a franchise from 30 years ago um to talk about things that are like, at a deeper level yeah, so you like you cheated because I didn't even think about like um or using that yeah, I didn't even think about using like the YouTube videos. Um but that's that's great because um for the people that just listen to the podcast but don't watch YouTube, you know, you could check out that Sunny video. Um but my favorite YouTube like exclusive um well, actually, like my my favorite one is actually one we just dropped. I say by the bell one. I mean, it did use um segments from this from episode thirty one and, and thirty and thirty one, thirty and thirty one. But also, like Mike did a good job in interpolating like the actual footage that we were talking about, and you actually got to visually see the 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 stuff we were talking about, and like. You know, I, I was worried because it's like really long and I know people don't want to sit down and watch stuff for like an extended amount of time. But it's actually really, really worth um the hour that it, it, it takes. Um, it takes. It, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hour that it would take to, to watch. Hey, yeah. our our deep dive and whatever is more content than that's available on Peacock for free. So hey, there, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. And we um, gave them like free free promotion because we we talked about the whole show and and gave background and stuff like that. 
that they probably you wouldn't see anywhere. You just hear Saved by the Bell and you just think of like, you know, this random show in the 90s. But we really like got into it. And then we talked about the new one and how, you know, what we what we liked and what we didn't like and stuff like that. So well, the most important thing is what we were saying. But a lot of things I had to take out like three different times because NBC Universal are on the level that Prince was with copyright. Like if you put like a freaking five second thing of Prince on like 10 years ago on YouTube, yeah, it'd be gone immediately. I got a uh, cease and desist two years ago on an Instagram thing I did from 2015. I did it, I got it two years ago. Yeah. He's been passed for like four years, man. But um, so a lot of stuff I didn't even add that we could have added. Uh, but I appreciate that. I, I'm really happy that how it came out. That's the goal of the, especially the YouTube exclusive. That's the goal I want it to be. Um, the last thing I'm going to say about uh, an actual episode, it's a specific one, but it's basically what we're going to be doing later on in our show too. Um, I would have never watched a show, especially now that I'm not out and about commuting. Like I, I would have probably seen uh, P Valley signs like everywhere in the city. You know, mm-hmm. you probably would have seen him with stilettos and like you know, Uncle, you know, what's, Uncle, what's his name again? Uncle, um, Uncle Clifford. Uncle Clifford. Like, probably see like him like this, like a stiletto here. I would probably see it all day long on the subway and stuff. But you know, obviously it's different now. So, show told me about it, and I will have never. It would have been not on my radar at all. Uh, I know about like Power and like the other Star shows, but I never watched it. I know them from the, the posters. So when you told me to watch and I watched it and I got into it, I watched like the first four in one night. Um, I, you know, I was into it and I love that. I love that, uh, that top, that segment we had. Um, that was a good one. And just in general, like we did it before uh, I recommended stay by the bell. We, we watched it, you watched it. And then we're going to talk about more things later on where I probably wouldn't have been motivated to watch it, but now I am going to watch it because we're going to discuss it for the show. So that's yeah. kind of like my favorite part of uh, doing this. Yeah, and then we also had um, you know, stuff that were going on in in twenty twenty. We also, me and Mike, we got together um and put together a special hour long podcast where we talked about Breonna Taylor after her um after the results of of uh the grand jury, where basically you know like the, these guys. Got in trouble for basically everything but like killing this this poor girl, um, and that was really special for us to do because I know me me and Mike we felt we felt very strongly about it. And um, if you guys haven't listened to that, and especially now I think yesterday it came out that the officers, two of the officers, finally, like months after even this grand jury stuff came out and they were basically absolved, like they finally got their termination, their letters of termination from the um Louisville uh Metro PD. So it's it's, it's crazy. So a lot of the things we, we were airing our grievances about back then, um, you know, it's still relevant now. So if you ever get a chance, like just check that out. Um you can find it on all our podcast on platforms sure and then it's i'm gonna put it on youtube too so it'll just be the audio but if people prefer listening on youtube you can check it out they'll be up there now all right so it's been like a common occurrence um a common topic in this in, in that we've done on this podcast where like you know cancel cancel culture 
you know, things from people's past coming back to like bite them. And a couple of times we've done it on what, you know, stuff like people have done as teenagers coming back to bite them in adulthood. Um, you know, we talked about like the hockey player um, that, you know, was bullying and being racist towards a de- developmentally disabled um, classmate. Um, we also talked about, you know, with Deshaun Jackson and the stuff he, you know, the, the, the his situation where I also brought up, you know, like Riley Cooper and, um, you know, how it also uh, happened with the Milwaukee Brewers pitcher, um, Sean Hader. Uh, but just recently came across my timeline, um, this story on the New York Times about a young lady named Mimi Groves, who was actually, um, her, uh, admission to the University of Tennessee was withdrawn by the school due to a racist, um, video that surfaced. And it was revealed that a fellow student or a fellow classmate of her named Jimmy Galligan had was the one that released the video and he's black and Mimi is white. Um so Mike, would you would you what 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 did you get on this? Well, just from uh a social media stance as um we've been seeing this for years, like five years, about um people those were doc doxing like they go back and uh they just go through all your timelines and stuff and just see and then they pinpoint something and then if you're in the news they'll highlight it and then it'll like completely like just like change the course either you have to apologize go away and cancel and everything but that's this is like celebrities and uh there was also this year i believe there was a video of uh high school kids who did the same thing and um they did like another fucking video and they got uh, denied admissions to uh, a college. Like this is not the first time this has happened. This is just more detailed or more. Um, I don't know. We're going to get into it. But uh, first off, um, gentleman who released a video or who made who shed light on it. He, he's biracial. We should bring that make that uh, mm-hmm. distinction too. Uh, in in the South. Uh, so yeah. So. Um, it's different because it wasn't the fact that they found a video of the the girl and then released it. Uh, it actually, it went out years ago on like a previous like social media platform and he saved it. He kept it, right? There's like four, he kept it four years because they were freshmen. Yeah, he kept it for about three years, he said. So, so they were freshmen uh, in high school and he, he had it. And then I think last year it came up again while they were in uh when they were still in school in uh senior year and he brought it to the attention of the administration correct trig yeah so he didn't go out there and basically like blackmail her or or something like that Mm -hmm. he he you know he well thought out he was like okay i'm gonna let's do something about this and the administration of the high school didn't do anything so then he took it to the next level and he he you know, release it or he, what we're talking about now. And um, so it wasn't just basically like someone, oh, a, pl- a plot to like ruin this girl's life, you know? 
from uh, from what what I had read, she she posted on uh one of like social media, you know, during the George Floyd protests, you know, right. um Black Lives Matter, um donate protests, da 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 da, like um. And he responded, I know this isn't, how, like, I don't know how you could say that after you've said the N-word. And then I think he reposted the video in response to that. So it also, that also leads to a, um, to a whole nother, like, Pandora's box, because that's also, like, that fake allyship that we, we talk about. Like, it's not um, a real, authentic. yeah, it's not authentic. Or using it to get likes, which is another thing in social media. Like just oh, yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. something or, just to get you know. Or performative. Um, mm. what do you what do you call it? Like performative, uh, allyship. Yeah, like um, or just anything that happens that's like everyone else is talking about, so you do it, mm-hmm. and you really don't give a shit really about it. Um, like when those kids like they um like they like during the protest they show like these Instagram influencers. Like while like people are like cleaning up like the debris and stuff, they would take mm. pictures with them with a hammer and stuff like that, yeah. and then give the hammer back to the actual pe- people that's like working on it that's cleaning up. Yeah, and then Ex- like yeah, exploitative. Yes, that's the word. Uh, yeah. So um, so yeah. So if it was just the fact that like on uh Vine, like I think it was on Vine. That's how long ago it was. It was like 2016, I think, or something like that. And uh, it was like a seven second clips. That's what they the, the were. Um, to like, like saving it. Like you can like kind of, I can kind of mirror it to like someone, um, the whole thing that happened with the, remember the fappening, the fappening, like yeah, women's yeah, like yeah. photos, whatever. You hold on to them. Of course we know it. You hold on to it. And then you, for a later time, you're going to like let it loose on it and try to like, um, uh, it's like revenge porn. Revenge porn, yeah. And I've seen this a lot like, of people kind of like try to try to yeah. equate it, but it's like being sexual with somebody whom you trusted, you know, sending naked pictures to one another, like, and, and you know, somebody you trusted is a lot different than, oh, like, I was overtly racist. I just hope nobody else sees it. Like, it's, it's two different things, man. Exactly. Like, um, and I also mentioned how it wasn't, he also, um, Gilligan, Gilligan? Yeah. So he, uh, Galligan. Galligan, Gallag- like Gilligan, she's Galligan. Um, it seems if you read the whole article in the New York Times, um, this isn't just like an overnight thing. This has been going on for a while. Um, he brought it to, he brought the attention, he brought this to the attention of many different people in authority. Um, and this is something that's been on his mind all year. There's another part in it where he, his father is, is white. Um, and he, he talked about a story how he was always, like, his dad was always like the only white guy at like all the events, the family events. And like, they would like, everyone would drop the M-bomb everywhere. Like, you know, obviously, you know, they would say the N-word and he used it like a couple of years ago. And he had to like talk to his dad about like how like it, um, how it affected him and stuff like that. So, there's a lot of things going on in this, not just like the video, it's like also the different that family dynamics that, that have been wait, wait, uh, wait. you mean fat. you mean the father sort of the white father went to like the events of the black 
yeah, yeah. members or you mean like the 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 biracial child went to like the father's family's event oh no 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 this let me clarify yeah. no so um i should have used the word maternal so uh uh galligan the the 18 year old 19 year old uh he described how his father who was white and he's a law law enforcement officer he was always like the only like white guy at the, at the maternal parties, like the maternal side of the family. The black and, side. Yeah, mm-hmm. black side. And um, so basically, like he said more recently, um, his dad like made a joke or his father made a joke and like he used the N word or something like that. He used, he did something like that. And he had like, he had to like take him aside and say how, how it affected him that he was saying this stuff. He was like, you know, so this is another part of this. Um, like a 2020 things like the america is the most like you know crazy diverse country you know with the family dynamic is like really so this is just not just about um the white student who lost her ability to go to her like dream school there's a whole other layer to this that we could get into yeah you know which is i think that's as as interesting because uh I mean, um, like I've you know, seen, I've seen people try to like, like black people try to also rationalize like the whole thing, like saying, I mean, rationalizing it from like the girl's perspective, like oh, like you know, if all of these rap songs use it, like you can't be mad when like a white person use it, and that also goes with the part of like the the lie that was, um first put out when this story was put out that oh she was singing along to a song to a rap song and she used the the n-word or whatever um but no like in the actual video she says like i could drive niggers because she was i guess somebody like um told her like she can't drive or like she's terrible at driving or something something like that Mm. and that was her like response Right. And my thing with that is um, if you're 14, I think it was like, this is like Virginia. So I think maybe you can be like 14, 14 and get like a learner's permit. That's like, that's how, that's how old she was or 14 or 15. And you'd be like, oh yeah, you can grow. You know, she's grown since then. So why, why, why judge her for now at this point in her life? Now she's acknowledging that she has like a, a, a voice to like talk about like the George Floyd thing. Um, so oh you can't grow like but um what i say to that is that um the whole the fact that uh uh he he brought it up like a year ago he brought it up it wasn't just he just completely threw it out there on social media for her to get like feasted on by like the public opinion like it was brought into a brought to attention to in a very private area like the administration of the school nothing happened from it right mm-hmm. then it went to another level and then now it's in the public thing and there was opportunities to uh it wasn't like as vicious as people are trying to make it sound and like she's not not she's not like a um not being used as um what, what do you call that again when you're like um not a freaking like a, like the opposite of a martyr like when you like get tossed out there just to, like a pariah I don't know. Is that the thing? I, I can't even think of the term, but like, um, like thrown into the fire, you know, Yeah. yeah. sort of. Um, it's not like that. It wasn't, it doesn't, it's not as, 
the way the other side of people who see this are saying this like vicious where he like oh he had a vendetta he's using her he ruined he ruined all her chances for something she did when she was like four, 14 um I, I don't think it had to go that far like you know but then we we didn't even talk about how this is in a very historic city it's um it's actually like um the founder uh, of the city like the name of the city yeah. is like off of robert e lee i think it's like lee it, leesburg virginia yeah it's his um it's his like ancestors like probably from like the like 1700s mm-hmm. so maybe like his like great-grandfather or, or someone in his in his uh family so um that's one of the cities it's actually a very affluent city it's um an hour out of DC and North Virginia is very, very affluent. Um, yeah. like Arlington is like the most like, like, you know, military and all the senators and stuff like that. And old money, um, old money from, I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, but um, it's one of the cities that had a monument taken down in June, you know? Yeah. So obviously, and then there's another story where like, um, they call it casual racism you know um but again i think I, we talked about this off air that um i'm not from the south um but i i can understand that there's this whole other dynamic that is different than like growing up like if you're in the city there's obviously very very tense like racial things going on mm-hmm. always had you know always has but it's like different there um i think and well my well my opinion but they said there was like games they would play or like they would use something in gym class did you read the part about the underground railroad no okay so basically a former student at the uh, at the high school said they would have like a a phys ed game and it would be underground railroad where like they would uh either blindfold you yeah, they would like blindfold you or something like that, or it would be darkened and you had to like go through a um go through a maze, like um obstacle course. Yeah. And if you made like enough noise, like you have to start over again. It's like fucking bizarre to me. Like yeah. why would like if that's true, like that's bizarre to me, right? Yeah. Like yeah. why would you like and like is it under the guise of oh we're trying to do like oh it's Black History Month, we're gonna do this. Just, oh, yeah. just like why would you do that's like doing dodgeball for uh the storming the beach of normandy you know like i don't fucking understand right yeah um but they, they tried to um so back, back to the to the article they tried to say like she he, he's trying to ruin ruin her life but his the quote that he had yeah. and i like I, I liked what he said he said i wanted to get her where she would understand the severity of that word. Right. That's what he told the New York Times. So it ain't it ain't really I don't think it was a malicious thing. I think the guy just tried to teach her a lesson. I mean, like first of all, let's talk about the word because the first thing they they tried to say was that she was singing along to like a rap song. Like when it comes to like the N-word, like I use the word when I'm talking to like other black people i use the word when i'm just talking you know what i'm saying because at the end of the day it's our word 
you know, it was something that was used to degrade us. And at some point, like, I, you know, there's two um, bases when it comes to, to, to black people when it concerns the N-word, which is, you know, I we it's something used to degrade us that we took and we flipped and turned it into, you know, our word and something that's ours. Because it's one of the few things it's like black people could do, but white people cannot do without facing consequences. And then there's other people I say it's a nasty word used to degrade us. Like we shouldn't use it. Like my sister and me, like I posted like a conversation between me and Joel one time on Instagram because it was funny. And then my sister got at me because of how we was using the N word with each other. And I was just like, listen, like I'm in the belief that it was our word and that's part of our speech. And it's something that we have that white people can't have one of the few things and that's my base and then my sister was in that other base where it's like no it's degrading and you shouldn't use that word blah 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 and that's her opinion and it's not that she's wrong and it's not that i'm wrong it's just a matter of um it's 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 a black thing that's the only way i could i could um um describe it and then the other part is like in that video you know that's always like the that's always like the 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 um the the refrain is oh she used the hard r like she said nigger she didn't say nigga so i mean either one coming out of a white girl's mouth is not okay at all but when you hear a hard r like that's that's a rate that's at least like the the ga is like it's open to interpretation. It's bad. It's it's wrong, but it's still open to interpretation. But when you hear that ER, you know, it's a racist place that you're coming from. Like, no, I don't think any white person that uses like the hard R when they say the N-word as like, you know, uh st- stupid as it is to even think you could use that word. Like when you use the hard R, like it, it's coming from a place of malice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then the other, and then the other thing about it is like the old like I'm ruining her life like or you know, uh Mike stated before it's like oh she said it three years ago can't she grow blah 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 but it's like how many of these young white kids that do all this racist shit like like I mean Mike I don't want to put you on the spot so I'm not gonna like like if you if you got to respond to it you could you can but I'm like. With, with so many of these white kids that are growing up using the N-word and stuff like that and blah, 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 like, um, like, is it some kind of, like, rite of passage that you have to learn, unlearn, like, is it so inherent in, like, white culture that you have to unlearn at some point, like, through your adolescence not to be a racist? Like, I, I don't get it. When I was a kid growing up in, in Atlanta, I only was there when I was five, six, seven years old. You know, that's that's a place in the South. And I know you asked me about that. Like, even back then, when I used to see my cousin watching, like, or listening to rap music and I'd hear the N-word, I knew, like, oh, that's like a, that's a, that's a bad word. And, like, I likened it to, like, all the other, like, bad words, like, you know, shit we say. <laughs> Um, but but yeah. that, that's my interpretation about it. Like, why why do you have to earn unlearn 
racism or why growing up like at 14 15 16 like a freshman in high school like you're like you're still young but you're old enough to know better that's, that's always my thing yeah uh i might be an anomaly a little different like um well you know i grew up with people that oh this is my cousin and like it's like a a black guy like hey, this is my cousin I'm, I'm like yeah i'm his cousin and i just was like yeah you know it was a you know we weren't related blood but then like in high school i was all you know i went to a probably like 80 20 80 percent like white and 20 percent um like minority i guess but they would all every single kid would they would say the n-word to each other the white kids and stuff i'm like what the fuck is wrong with these people i'm just looking at them like Oh Jesus! And then like other people would say to me, "I'm oh I, oh you said it to me now I can say it to you, right?" No, like yeah. people would just call to me like, "Oh, you know they would say they would say it to me like, not in a mean way, but in a what a term of endearment they would say it to me." I'd be like, "Hey, hey what's up, dude? What's up, guy? You know that's like my yeah, version yeah. of that." So these like these guys that that I have vivid memories of these guys I grew up with, and they like it was bizarre to me. I I can't get into it that much because I know it's. Yeah, and then Bizarre. you've you've seen it. I and mean, I'm... it's different because, like, sorry, real quick, like mm-hmm, yeah. a room. They might not. They would obviously wouldn't say it around you, probably. You know, but if it's like a room full of like twenty five, you know, like Guidos, Mix, and uh, Guineas, and everything, they, they they would say it to each other, and then they would see a guy a guy like, drive out, and they'd be like racist. They would say the hard R to him. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? How fucking weird is that? It's a great movie. Great movie you have to watch called White Boys from nineteen ninety nine pre eminem and it's pieces of it, fucking yeah. great movie like ahead of its time danny uh danny hodge hodge yeah oh it's funny as all because me when me and joel used to go out to like bars and stuff like you know when they play um juicy by biggie smalls like joel always used to have like this little like running guy <laughs> that you know when i say if you don't know now you know and then he would stop and look around yeah <laughs> He was like, let's see who says it. Let's like yeah. he was like white bars. Like I want to see who says it. Who said it? Yeah, it's a it's a measure. It's a um thro- not thermometer. What's it again? It's a barometer of like the room testing the room. You play that song. Is it the censored version where it says you know you know you know, or is it cut it out? Or if you just play it and then you see you know you know. But hey, maybe you're just a pure. You respect the art form and you just yeah. want to and do then, the lyr- like, lyrical like I- do. Like I said, the base that I'm in with the word, like people always say, like, oh, like, then like rap people, like rappers need to stop saying, no, like, why should they stop? Like, it ain't their job to make white people feel, um, comfortable. Like, you know, I can't, like, I don't, I, I don't say that word like in front of like my mom or like my stepdad or older people and stuff like that. But if I hear a song and I hear that word, like, I could censor myself from like saying it like i'll be like if you don't know now you know but like i'm trying to understand why like when white people are amongst themselves they can't censor it like if even if you because that's always the thing they say like oh i can't help it i'm listening to the song like how can i sing the song without saying a word like all right like you listen to young thug and you can't like half the stuff like he says you can't you don't even understand. You're just mumbling. So like you, you, you know, you censor yourself there. Um, but, but my thing with like, and then people also with that word, like they'll always be like, you know, Oh, like the other day I seen like with, um, uh, Chris Cuomo, 
when he was like, oh, like, you know, Fredo is like the N-word to us. And it's like, nah, like, you could say, you could say, like, it's derogatory towards Italian people, but nothing is the N-word to anybody. The N-word is the N-word. It's the fact that you can't even say the actual word should let you know that it's unlike any other word. It doesn't matter what uh, anti-Semitic thing you say, anti- uh, Irish, anti, uh, British, anti, uh, Caribbean, anti-Italian, whatever. Like, I just feel like a lot of people, they just want to feel like a lot of people, they want to feel, um, discriminated against just so it kind of validates their discrimination. If that makes sense, sense, Mike. Now me, me and my brother always, I don't want to put him on the spot, but, and I'm not diminishing if someone's offended by like a thing, like like the, it, like he was like the, we're talking going back to the article. I'm not diminishing how he felt about this, but me and him are always saying like everyone wants to feel like a victim at some point. For some reason, like we talked about this when this shit started happening in May. You said something. I'm gonna say it. You said watch watch see how we'll see what happens and see they're gonna like someone's gonna take over this movement, right? Can, yeah. we, can yeah. I'm not gonna elaborate, but I don't know. Um, but I, I can I'm I, I'm on the same page with you with that. Like, so if you feel, oh well, this happens to me, or hey, um, like there's that David Chappelle uh thing about when he went to Dublin, he went to Ireland. <laughs> remember? Do you remember yeah, that yeah. bit? All right, so just look up that bit, and um, you know that's a that's a funny thing that I always thought about where people were yeah, like, yeah. oh, you know, we're like oh, we're they... the of the uh, of Europe. Well, get out of my face, <laughs> your breath stinks, and he says the over. Yeah. Like I've I've seen people like you know with the logo like you know the logo change um stuff like you look at like the like people like um people not Mike because I know Mike's Irish like people would be like oh well should they change the should they change the the Celtics logo or the 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 Fighting Irish logo um I and I, I like in response to that I'm like are you offended by it. Like, nah, I can, but I don't want to, like, if I'm not offended by it, why are they offended? I'm like, well, that's the point. It, well, it, symbolically, I, that is like a, like, we talked about microaggressions in one of our outtakes. Um, the whole thing with the Fighting Irish logo, it's the same, it's not the same, it's, it's the same, like, with the uh, Chief Wahoo, where it wasn't the initial logo. It was not the original one. They made it in the 60s, and... It wasn't an Irish guy. It was a Polish guy who ran Notre Dame at the time. And he did it as like a goof. And it's supposed to be a drunk Irish guy. But that's not the that's not the worst thing in the world. Like, okay, right. I get it. Okay. You know, like, it's not like... the This is more a symbolic thing where, like, even... You can't even let people say words. Like, that's another form of, like, control, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, if the people are saying that you can't say the... You can't use a word that you want to use you i'm talking about like that's another form of like control mm-hmm. but with me like yes it's a, it's a caricature but it's not like it's not the it's it's changing the logo of the notre dame fighting irish is not going to change anything you know yeah because yeah, yeah. people don't look at an, look at me and be like oh the 40, fighting irish guy yeah, yeah you know some there's a lot of things with people where it's some symbolically um Imagery can't we we talk about like representation matters and everything. It goes a long way when it's a young kid, like someone a biracial kid 
growing up now, and now they have they feel like they have the voice. They can they can um, feel like they can make a change. Me, if they changed that when I was fifteen or when I was ten, when they changed the logo, who's a shit? I wasn't gonna change my life. Yeah, um, makes sense. You know, just to wrap up, like this 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 the story is um. You know, is he trying to ruin her life? I, like, no, nah, but like, not now. See, that's where you go into semantics. Like, is he trying to ruin her life, or did she ruin her life when she put out that she made that video of herself saying the words so accessible? Or is she like collateral damage? Like, it, it could have been someone else. It could have been another. It could have been another girl who went, didn't go to um, who didn't get to go to Stanford. You know, it could have just been someone else. And then, yeah, and then yeah. when it comes to, like, oh, like, how could you hold what she did at 17, blah, 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 blah. Like, listen, I'll tell you something. I remember a young man uh, visiting his father and his girlfriend in uh, Sanford, Florida, outside of Orlando, who was walking with his hoodie up in the rain Skittles. with a Arizona iced tea and a bag of Skittles talking to his uh homegirl on the phone and uh it didn't it didn't George Zimmerman didn't take three years to decide whether or not um uh Trayvon Martin was worth killing. It took him about you know as soon as he saw the kid. He didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. So I don't understand uh you know a cop pulls up to Tamara Rice sees him playing with a BB gun or whatever in a park and shoots him within 10 seconds. So, you know, it's funny how you got the complexion for the protection, as Mm. Paul Mooney says. Mr. Paul Hey, not his real name. I just found out. I'm very disappointed that's not his real name. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a good thing. Okay, Shug. um, They have a new documentary out about... uh, Prominently Yankee pitcher CC Sabathia, uh, MLB great, who recently uh, hung it up recently, retired. Under the grapefruit tree, the story of CC Sabathia. Now I am looking back at his career; it's insane how uh, like underrated he's very underrated. We can say that first off. Yeah, I think he went through a time where he was. Um, he was under, he was rated adequately. And then obviously like, you know, you, you put on this, like, mm. you know, you put on those Yankees French stripes, then you kind of, um, get underrated. And then I think towards the end of his career, when, you know, people start, especially now with analytics and, you know, all these extra like stats that show like, you know, how, you know, great of a pitcher you are and stuff like that then he started getting um rated adequately like he's he's on track for to be a hall of fame pitcher right and if um i didn't watch the film uh, i am gonna watch that was my goal to watch it before we recorded but i'm gonna hear your thoughts on it but just going by his his like his his career uh at one point he was the youngest player playing active at the time in major league baseball uh, at 20 he made a million bucks his first year. Four years later, he got the upgrade. Um, he uh, brought the Cleveland Indians to the postseason. Um, 
he got traded to Milwaukee, brought them to the postseason for the first time in like decades. Yeah. Uh, came, came to New York. Boom. World yeah. Series first year. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some going back 20 years ago. I remember when he was just uh, playing on, on the Indians early 2000s. There was a lot of stuff talking about his uh, personal life. And I, I always remembered it because uh, it was kind of it was very compelling. And then in more recent years, other personal stuff popped up and, but he still kept, he's kept playing and he added to his numbers and he ended gracefully. And we were there during his last moments as a Yankee. And so Shook, so how did this, um, how did this docu hit you? Uh, I thought it was great because to hear, you know, a guy, um, to hear like these athletes talk about like their personal life and stuff um going on in their personal life or things going through their mind while they were playing and actually hearing their words and it's not like something that you know you could you could um fabricate or make it like biased because it's like you could watch him while he's doing these things and you know he can't try to like self grand you know self um self-promote himself basically you basically get to see the real part and then you got to see his mom and his wife um amber who his or his wife is a one like um she's an incredible woman an incredible um wife um uh, i've like i'm not gonna I've, I've never met her personally but me and joel we went to like there charity softball game celebrity softball game at yankee stadium um a couple years back and you know she's very like ever since she cc signed with the yankees she's very like involved um in the community and stuff like that and she's you know when they talked about you know it it was i think you alluded to it a little bit you know his um he he had to become sober he had alcohol issues um and the the thing that was kind of revealed to me through this um documentary was i didn't realize like this was a like ongoing thing in his career i thought this was something like um isolated to just those years um or that year specifically because this was during a time like cc was kind of like starting to decline and people were like highly critical about of him uh, it's funny because a lot of people like uh, one of the people is like my stepdad like every year they, they're like you know they need to cut CC this is when he was still on his like original um, huh. Yankees contract and he's yeah. still making like the big bucks but his his perform like you know as you you see with a lot of players where it's like you know their contract and their performance don't like match right if you do the numbers that year was 2015, and that was like his final year. It was he had a seven year contract, I think, at first, right, from 2009 to 2007, like seven yeah, years from. He had a contract that. from 2009, and it was like a seven year contract. And then right. I think after like three years, he could opt out and become a free agent again. But he did. He didn't opt out. They actually just added like two more years. So I think his contract was supposed to end in 2015, but they added two more years. So it ended in 2017. And of course, like 
later on in his career, he kind of um reinvented reinvented himself to be a pitcher that could rely on his stuff. You know, since his like velocity and stuff went down, like he became like a finesse pitcher. Mm-hmm. So he actually became really, really like serviceable in the later years of his career. So what happened was the Yankees signed him to like one year deals, and you know the the the, the common phrase is like keep giving him one year contracts till he retires and then after uh 2018 he signed his contract and he said that would be his last year mm. yeah um yeah so his numbers went down but they went back up like um i was just going over the actual numbers like he was like like he'd be like 13 and 3 at, at the all-star break and stuff like these incredible numbers um but I think I, I think as a fan, like I kind of just like took him for granted. I think, you know, like, oh yeah, CC's there. Yeah, you, know, you know, we had him yeah. and Tanaka, and it's just like, but um, what else do they talk about with his, with his um, getting drafted? Did they, what did they get into that? Oh, I know, like that was two thousand. He was twenty. He's only forty, right? He's like forty now. Yeah, I think he got drafted. He he got drafted straight out of high school. Uh, he was actually like a multi-sport athlete. Like he played football, he played basketball. Um, anybody who doesn't know much about Zizi's about the uh, like he's he's a tall dude. Like he's six eight. Uh, yeah, he wears baggy shit. He always used to. He was he he was like one of the first guys that had like the he had the, the hat that was like a big hat fitted, yeah. baggy clothes and stuff. But he's not like a fat dude. He's just a big dude. Yeah, you know, he just wore baggy stuff. Big boned. <laughs> And he's from he's from California. We should say this too. He yeah. grew up an Oakland fan, a Giants fan. His dad got him into it. Um, did they talk about his relationship with his dad? Because uh, yeah, they talked a lot about it. Um, okay, it was it was definitely one of them situations where you know his dad was like involved in his life when he was younger, and then kind of became estranged. But he came back into his life like I think uh, like in high school. And I mean, like, you know, it's easy to, you know, it's easy to to kind of um to come to the conclusion, like, oh, like, he, he came back into his son's life when it looked like he was about to get drafted and stuff like that. And even if he did, like, CeCe, his mom, um, the people I talked about it in the documentary, it didn't, they, they, they if, if it's, if that was the case, like, they didn't make it seem like that. It seemed, it made it seem like, he was he you know after all of this time like he, he decided to become more involved in his son's life and um cc didn't hold like his, his dad like um he didn't hold his dad he didn't hold it against him like he he spent and eventually his his father became sick and unfortunately passed away and i, I thought one of the sweet things cc said was like his first son was born like only a short time before his father passed and he he um he he saw he thought he felt that his dad was like holding on just so that he could meet his grandson and i I thought that was like a sweet sweet part of it okay because yeah because i that's one of the reasons why i wanted to watch it um i remember like in the mid-2000s like maybe 2003, 2004, 2005. Uh, I think Outside the Lines did a whole piece on it. Um, talk Outside the Lines, right? ESPN. They were talking about how his relationship with his father. 
and um, they were alluding to where he came back right before he signed, mm-hmm. and they were asking these questions. And I wish I could find, I could, maybe I could probably find it, but um, uh, there was hints of him talking about how he had issues with like substances and stuff in high school. But he like back then he was saying it was like, oh yeah, you know, like you're like the big man on campus, and you know, parties and stuff. And then I think he lived with him for a little bit or something like that. And so the next thing with with uh, CC, I remember is like he was part of the uh, the Cleveland Indians when we when the Yankees played them, right? Remember in two thousand seven? Yeah, he won that was Cy Young that year too. That was bad uh, for the Yankees part of side of us. But I remember watching that game with the freaking flies. Oh my god, remember that? Yeah, the Nats. Oh, game. good lord, the well, Nats that, was, game. that was game. That was game two. Yeah, I remember that watching that like in a bar upstate, and it was just like. Um, so I always respected him, and then we then we got him. You know, he came over. Yeah, and I, and, I thought um, like the interesting thing too was he really kind of um he like highlighted how like he didn't even really want to come here. Like he was he was like I'm a, I'm a West Coast dude. Like I really yeah. wanted to be on like one of these like California teams. Like I wanted to be out west, but he was like the Yankees just came. They offered the most money. He didn't want to turn it down. He might have been like the last. That's... I mean, well, up until we signed Garrett Cole, he might have been like the last time. Because I used to always be the the refrain, the refrain for us Yankees guys. It's just like the Yankees got all the money. So, like, mm-hmm. even if guys don't want to become Yankees, by the time you put that offer out there, like, they're going to want to become Yankees. That's ironic. Uh, I think yeah, he plays second behind Ichiro, I think, for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I think so, and that's weird because he he probably he could have went to the Seattle, could have went to you know all those places, and and ironically he was 20, 21 years old, and Ichiro already had a ten year career in Japan, which is like the another weird thing about baseball the the rules. But I I want to stress the fact that he was like so young, and I always see him as like an old gritty veteran, and when he won in two thousand nine, he was only like 28, 29 years old. You know, mm-hmm. this is fascinating that you know. Yeah. I wish we, I wish we won more. So, yeah, that, that's the one thing. And I, one of the funny parts was when, like, he's driving to the stadium. I think it was the day after. Um, you know, we we went game four. I think it was on his way for game five. Mm-hmm. And he's like in a car with with Amber, and he's like, you know, I'm more like. He was like, I'm not even like that mad that like I'm injured. He was like, I'm just mad that like we're about to lose to these assholes talking about the Astros. And this yeah. is before this is before the the um came to light. Yeah, this is before the cheating stuff. And like, you know, and if you heard like the RC um R two C C two, what was I forgot the name of his podcast with Ryan Rosello, but Oh, yeah. How he talked about when you know when it came out that the Astros cheated and stuff like that, so it gives you as a Yankee fan even more reason to be pissed because you know they they, they could have caught they they cost you know CC his last title and I really wish like they would have won the last um at some point in these last couple of years so Two at least you know, he could have like bookended his career but. You know, he came here as a Yankee, and I mean, he he has like an uncommon number, so I don't think it's uh 52. So I don't I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you know he gets his number retired. He's definitely gonna get a plaque. Um, he's gonna get into the Hall of Fame because he talked about it a lot in the um 
he, he talked about it a lot in the documentary. Um, and again, he didn't do it in like a self gratification type of way. He was just saying like, as a, it makes him proud that you know he has, um, he's like the third most strikeouts for a left-handed pitcher, and like he has like the most strikeouts for like a black pitcher. Like he just put that part in it. Like oh, like I'm proud of it because for the amount of um black people that have played this game and you know the hell black people had to go to play this game to be a black man and accomplish as much as he did like that's the thing that made him most proud i have questions um do they allude to his future um aspirations like is he going to do like charity work or does he have goals of becoming a coach or becoming uh, someone in the, the organization, especially well, maybe he would go out west, but if Yankees, well, he's can you talk he, about that. that. That's one of the things. Like he made um, New York his home. Um, he likes it here. I think he lives out in like Jersey, in the suburbs yeah. of New Jersey. Um, so they already like implanted here. Um, as far as his his um, post playing career, like he's um. I think he said like he 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 can't do like the coaching and stuff like that, but like on TV, like he'll he'll be on TV. I mean, it remains to be seen with um baseball, but he he's been on um he's actually been on Yes Network doing like Brooklyn Nets games. Oh wow. Um, I hope I I, I wish that I hope that mm-hmm. he does well because, but you know me, I'm not watching any Brooklyn Nets games, so I yeah. wouldn't know. Uh. Um, uh, my so, TV is on MSG. So the only names that pop out to me that have the number fifty-two: uh, Jose Contreras, and uh, as a as a coach, Tony Pena. That's uh, the other names. Don't yeah, he probably gave me. he probably gave that up. Uh, yeah, he, t- he wore like fifty-six. He wore fifty-six uh, like when they got the um, CC. Uh, so 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 Tony Pena. Yeah, last year he had it was uh, two thousand seven. Then I guess a year he wasn't there and he came back. Don Zimmer had it in two thousand. Don Zimmer had it, mm-hmm. but another another coach. Um, yeah, but everyone else. Um, this is just the top, though. This is the top, like, um, yeah. So you know, hey, well, who's the last person who got retired? Jeter. Oh, well, obviously, of course. Yeah, um, Mariano was right before him, right? Well, they they did the whole core four. And, oh yeah, and and of course the forgotten fifth. Was it? Fifth member of the core four, which I actually went. Posada, uh, huh? Who's a Posada? Who's the other? Who's the other one? Well, I was getting to it. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I'm excited. So the the forgotten member of the core four, the fifth, the forgotten fifth member of the core four, um, Bernie Williams, who actually uh-huh. went to the game because it was on my. I actually bought the ticket to the game because it was my birthday. It actually took place on my birthday. Um, and Bernie Williams is actually like my favorite Yankee ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like Mattingly and Bernie Williams, and then Paul O'Neill. Yeah, like, that's kind of like my thing. So, um, as as far as I go, so then the other thing that they actually shed light on is the um, you know, his um, alcohol issues, um, and his demons dealing with that. Uh, he, he said, you know, he was always like a binge drinker. 
because you know it, it it came from you know back in the minor leagues when he was um you know he'd go out to the bars and stuff like that with his teammates and you know him being the youngest guy like he would have they would order drinks and then he'd have to go in the bathroom and like down them real quick so he, you know obviously stuff like that you can and his size you kind of you know build a, a tolerance um over the years but you know you know a lot of it came to a head it it messed up like his his personal life because him and his wife used to get into it a lot with the um drinking um he got into a fight during a road trip during a, a Toronto series uh where like TMZ caught him outside um so it just really got amplified and I think the situation really came to a head where he um the last series of the season um he like him and his cousin he, he his cousin was really really like his handler and his cousin like called his wife and told her like yo like he's I can't I can't stop him like I usually am able to stop him during these things I can't stop him cuz he first thing he he went to Baltimore first thing he did mm-hmm. go to the liquor store um bought all his honey um stuff like that and he was he he uh, you know cuz they they locked up the um wild card spot they locked locked up a playoff spot the first time they actually missed the playoffs like the two seasons before and he he was celebrating that and you know it just kept on going on and on and on and he was supposed to show up to do his um his side day his side session which is basically you show up to the park throw some pitches in the bullpen stuff like that and he was like visibly drunk and you know that was like his wake up call and then he went to the um he went to the reco- rehab clinic um he you know he he opted out of like the postseason and you know people had their opinions about that i'm going to get to that in a second um and he was just talking about like how he had to write a letter as his son to himself and the stuff that was in it made him cry and i was basically like the turning point so you know i think basically he's been living his life sober ever since and you know it's it's an admirable thing to confront um when you have these demons and, and stuff like that right i just i was reading in a, a quote it was basically it was about the toronto incident and then in baltimore like he said he would work his uh he would work his drinking schedule around his starts you know I would go around my stars. If I knew I had a weekend or three or four days where I could have two days to get back to be ready to pitch, I would do that. It's like the planning of it, like working, like that was, in, that was more important than the, the pitching was him working out the days where he could binge. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the reason he was, oh, that's when I realized, you know, you know, I'm planning out where I, when I can drink, you know? So that's the quote that I popped up earlier, you know? Yeah. And I, I just like at the time, I remember a lot of people were um very critical of him like why why would you choose now like we need you for the playoffs blah 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 and I was just thinking about it I'm like you know some things are better or are, are bigger um there are, there are things bigger than baseball and you know 
Well, as soon as I saw, like, you know, CC checks into rehab for alcohol, like, the last thing that was on my mind was the playoffs. I'm like, yo, like, you got to take care of your number one player, bro. Like, you, like, if this is a problem and it's causing problems in your life, like, you should do this. Because you got to, like, your family, your wife, your kids, your mom, like, they are more important than your teammates. They're more important than your coaches. They're more important than us as the fans. So I, I applauded it. I thought it was heroic because anytime somebody could really say, like, yo, I have a problem and deal with it, I, I, I have to applaud it. That's what I always thought about how, like, when he was – we talked about earlier about his uh, year-to-year deals. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of the thing that like like an insurance policy. I thought that's what I always would think. Like, you know, you can't think that far off when you have this issue. You can't think that too far down the line. Like the old thing is like one day at a time, one season at a time. Like he couldn't think that far down. You know, that much pressure. You know, so I think that's another reason why it was like a yearly thing too. Um, no, that was always that was after. This is twenty fifteen. Yeah, I know that. That's what I'm saying. So the after point, the fact the that he deal went... started in 2018, 19, because he was like on the latter, oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Latter yeah, part so... of his career, so you know. Yeah, but I think you, if if you can't risk it, like we've seen it recently with uh, a lot of people are going in the rehab in 2020. A lot of uh, pe- prominent people um, that were always people that we talked about them ha- having sobriety, like, and they were, like they had to check themselves in again. So yeah. I keep an eye on that stuff. It's a thing I, I like to, I keep, I follow it. Yeah. And it's the, you know, like I said before, like he kind of had this um resurgence during the later part of his career because he learned how to manage the game or pitch through games by limiting the opposing batter's exit velocity. So um, just real quickly, like exit velocity is how hard the ball comes off your bat. So if you hit, the ball and it's coming off of the bat like at 100 miles per hour like it's gonna be a line drive home run like it's more likely to be a hit but if it's coming out slower um it's it's you know gonna be a pop-up a fly out and out in general so he was keeping guy he had probably like one of the best like exit velocity rates in all the majors because he used to have people's exit velocities being like between 85 and 90 miles per hour and that's mm-hmm. how he used to get through games and obviously you know the older he got he wasn't getting into like the seventh and eighth innings but you know like you would get like a quality five or six innings from cc and 2015 when you know he wanted to rehab was like the first season um of you know this new this new and improved cc sabathia so it was kind of weird that oh, it's like, whoa, like that's weird. Like he just had like this bounce back year on the field, but like in his real life, like he was having like the worst year. Um, but you know, he he went on to play, you know, a few more seasons and it was great. And um, like we said, he he obviously by 2019 he started to kind of like he did say 2019 was his last year. And unfortunately, Father Tom does catch up to you, and he pitched like, you know, it was gonna be his last year. So he um, he was relegated to the bullpen, um, in that postseason, and they brought him out game four, 
Yankees were down by like three runs and um he just didn't have it and then eventually it it it, it became that like his shoulder had become dislocated and he wouldn't be pitching again but you know he he's he's always said I remember him saying at the time he was like you know it's symbolic that I, I literally pitched until I couldn't pitch anymore. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, even though, like, the series itself wasn't memorable and it didn't end the way we wanted it, the way he wanted it, like, I always thought that was, like, a special moment, especially to be a part of live, um, you know, with me and you being in the stadium that night um, in an otherwise, like, dreadful game. Um but overall, the documentary, I thought it was well done. It was it was great to see um, somebody who really isn't, like, heralded as much on a national stage. Mm. You know, you know, CC's not like Derry Cheater. Like, if you, Derry Cheater's going to put out a special. It's going to be everywhere and talked about. But, like, CC is, like, our guy. And it was just cool to see a documentary where it's like, yo, I was there for that. Like, you know, they're talking about, like, 2009. And I'm like, yeah, I went to game one where – Game one in the ALCS where CC pitched, and CC eventually was like the MVP of that championship series. So, um, it, I I thought that was cool. It's also like a sign that I'm I'm getting up there. I'm starting to get old. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, I'm trying to like uh, I'm trying to like compare him to someone else that's very popular. Not very. Just very distinguished, but not as um, regarded as a top top player of our of the last this generation and probably uh, two generations. I can't I can't really think of it right now. You can't think of anyone who you can compare him to, who um, in a prominent, obviously near Yankees, because uh, we we can talk about like the, everyone in the Red Sox and stuff. Everyone knows them. I just think, I think it's under I, when we started this conversation. I said that uh, I think he's very underrated. And I didn't appreciate him as much as uh, as a fan, because I guess during those like lean years in the two thousand tens, you know. Yeah. But he was always there. He always came through. You know, he's the guy you can always rely on. Yeah. You know. All right, Chuck. I understand that you uh, you checked out a bunch of the new um, new uh, movies on the streaming services that were dropped straight up onto the HBO Max and Disney Plus. Um, I need something to watch this weekend, so let me hear it. What did you watch, and uh, what did you think of them? Okay, so I watched um three films that were supposed to be released on in theaters before were scheduled before the pandemic, but were to be released during what has been a pandemic, but eventually. Uh, the studios themselves decided to put them on streaming services. Um, so I watched Wonder Woman 84 and Soul, which dropped both on Christmas Day that just passed. And then I, I actually been wanting to watch it for a while, but I finally got the time and finally watched it. And I'm glad I did. Uh, Mulan, the live action version that Disney uh, made and they actually I think it was supposed to be released in March and then in March and then they decided to release it I think in August but you had to pay like $30 um, in order to watch it on Disney Plus 
and then as of i think december 4th it became um free and, and a part of um the service so i'm gonna start off with soul um you know to me like i feel like it, it's a it's a pixar movie um disney pixar movie so like the first thing i thought of is like especially the visuals you know me me and mike being like new york guys i think we always said this we love movies that take place in new york and um the animation it really seemed like new york city it definitely had had that look about it like everything like the buildings um the elevated train the subway um and just the like the it actually like to me it had like the best animation i think of any pixar movie so far like you could definitely see the um you could definitely see the 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 um the advancement that has been made um in in that style of animation through through the years up until this point in our film like you know you could see like the reflection on people's faces um it looked like the incredibles like a, a really a, a crazy upgraded version of the incredibles from what i saw i you know from only the promo i watched yeah like um if you saw if you watch incredibles and then watch incredibles too like you could definitely see like the difference in like like how the 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 models came out and um obviously other films have been released between um that and now uh with soul uh, so that was the one thing and then the other thing i, I really uh, i thought of is that um i don't know if a black person wrote it i didn't really get to do um all that much research in it but it, they definitely consulted some black people on black culture and stuff like that when it came to making a movie um but you know what i only saw a 30 second promo and i was like is this a black movie <laughs> no, no, no. and i'm joking but like uh it reminded me of the Incredibles and um, like, you know, it seems very similar like the Sam Jackson model, you know? Yeah. So it just reminded me of that. So then I mean, I was like, so then I was thinking about it and then I sort of like, I was like, I, I, I want to know more about this, but I'm going to wait until you tell me about it. I don't want to read about it until you tell me about it. Yeah. And it was funny. Um, It's funny because um, I, I, the, the, the guy, the model of um the main character, he, he kind of looks like Roy Woods Jr. from um the Daily Show. That was like the first joke because yeah. I watched um I follow Roy Woods Jr. on 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 Twitter and he you know people were like you know um teasing him like oh they finally they, they look they're making your like biopic why didn't you tell anybody and stuff like that and you know he he um he played it up a little bit too um I don't know one of the things I, I like tend to do because I don't know like the voice cast but like you'll be watching a movie and like you'll be hearing like people like you know obviously i knew jamie fox was like um the the main character's voice and i think like tina fey was the um the voice of um one of the consciousness that he um you know his companion his companion consciousness um character but like it had his mom, it had um one of his students that became a drummer in a famous band, and then the lead singer of that band. Like you're hearing these these voices, and you're trying to like put like who's who and stuff like that. So I I, I actually and stuff I didn't pick up at the time. So his mom, 
was played by, of course, like, you know, America's, you know, Black America's mom, um, Felicia Rashad. Uh, the main singer of the band was, you know, the great Angela Bassett. And then his student was played by Questlove, who in real life is a drummer. Uh, his barber, uh, like the whole time, like that voice sounds familiar. That voice sounds, I know who that is. I know who that is. And it's, it was Donald Rollins from Chappelle Show. And they definitely had like the black barber shop experience to, to down pack to a T. The other thing was um, uh, he he had to, he was getting ready for a show and his consciousness went into a cat and his Tina Fey's character's consciousness went into him. So he's like, oh, I can't do this show like with my hair like that. Like I need a lineup. So it just showed like them and it was like watching it. I'm like thinking of like me and my friends. I'm like, yo, like if if I was in a band like and I was doing a show, I'm doing something like that, like a major appearance. I'm like, I got to make sure my lineup is tight. I got to make sure like I get a nice haircut and everything. I got to make sure my, it, it's part of black culture. So I thought they did that part really well. Um, and in general, it made you like, I think the point of the movie without giving too much out is, um, you know, willing, willingness to live and just, um, enjoying life in of itself. And that's like, that's what, that's where you get your soul from. It's just like you, how you live and the things you take from life. And I think that was, uh, important, um, important message because you know all these every single pixar movie has some sort of message in it and it's it's, it's incredible um pun intended Uh, (laughs) i didn't have to say it (laughs) it's it's incredible um like being a person i like i watch toy story right um, when i was small i think there's only like two pixar movies i haven't seen you know i always get together with my brother um every now and again since we have disney plus and the whole library is there um so now now you know now seeing them all like they always teach you something and i I think that's their staying power from the fact that i could watch a movie when i was like five years old to watching a movie now that i'm like 30 and it's still enjoyable to me because i know i'm gonna come i'm gonna take away something from it right i was gonna ask you i was like did you watch it with your brother um he, he liked it no, nah, nah, he didn't watch it with me. Like oh, okay. we, we started watching it on Christmas with the whole family, but then everybody left. So then I cut it off and then I picked it up the next day by myself when I woke up and I watched the rest of the movie then. Yeah, so it's crazy. Uh, it's ironic that Disney finally bought Marvel because Marvel had this thing called the uh, Stanley had the Marvel method where like, you know, like Batman, you know, in DC had that tragic story, right? Mm-hmm. Peter Parker his um fortune and grant you know he he wanted to go out there and be famous so he, so while he was doing that he, he 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 was so you know he let the guy go by and he ended up killing his uncle that's like his like origin story and marvel method was a kind of like a tragic story um they've they've been following that for you know 60 years and you know that's like the staying power of marvel that's why people like see it more than just like a guy in a costume or a girl in a costume uh Disney, when Walt Disney was so involved, it was very, very tragic stuff. Very mm-hmm. dark, like very dark stuff. Uh, Pixar, a lot of people don't remember the precursor to P- Pixar, but it was the Brave Little Toaster. 
have we ever talked about that? Brave Little Toaster? No. Okay, so Brave Little Toaster is the um, prototype of Toy Story. Came out in like 89, 90. So I watched that and I was I would cry all the time. That and like Fox and the Hound, like I would watch those and I was like, wow, this is like some deep stuff. And I was only like four years old. And then like the next year, like Toy Story came out. And it's the same story where um, a kid's going off to college and all his stuff in his room will, uh, go, try to go back to him. So like, it, it's like kind of like Toy Story 1 and 2 put together or 3. Mm-hmm. And um, so you watch it at the time and you're like, you're invested in it as a kid. And now I can, I could probably watch that right now. And one day, God willing, when I have a family and everything, I'll, I'll put that on. And um, I'll still have feelings for it. It'll be a little different, but I'll still have feelings. Like all Toy Stories, like it's very uh, popular because you can watch it in any generation. And that's what the success behind Pixar was, where like they would have inside jokes, jokes that would go over kids' heads, but then the parents would like get it. And um, so, I'm a, so basically Soul is in the same tradition of that, right? Yeah. That's great. So maybe I actually will, because uh, now, uh, hey, I, I have your Disney Plus, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I know a lot of people made, uh, um, they had like a little Knicks joke in it. And obviously, like, it, you know, everybody wants to run with that. But the, the guy that actually wrote the part, I think he wrote the movie, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't know if a black black guy wrote it, but he said it. And, and the other thing was, like, if you watch the movie, there's, like, Nick's stuff everywhere. There's guys wearing Nick's hats and, and stuff like that. And, like, maybe he's not, like, a baseball fan because, yeah, like, they, I think they showed, like, the character with, like, a Mets jersey, but he grew up in Queens, so it makes sense, mm. like, he'd be a, a Mets fan. But they had like a little Knicks joke. But you know, if you if you're a Knicks fan, you kinda you kinda get it and you 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 understand like it ain't really like a dick. It was kinda like how um you know things always go bad for the Knicks, but it kinda gave a reason for it. So I'm pretty sure if you're watching this, oh. you've probably seen the joke already. So this mo- so this was written probably uh <laughs> anytime in the last 15, 20 years. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um so next I'm gonna talk about Mulan. Mm-hmm. So I was pleasantly surprised because Mulan, the animated one, I remember seeing that in the movies because it had um, Eddie Murphy. Well, you know, I was, you know, a kid, so I, I wanted to see anything Disney. And but this one had Eddie Murphy, who was one of my f- favorite comedians, because one of my favorite comedians and actors, because my he's he's one of my, my dad's favorites. Um, so he kind of passed that down to me. So they had him playing like this dragon Mushu and like the run, running joke about it is like a dragon supposed to be like this big scary thing. And he was like mm-hmm. a little lizard. Um, so going into the, the movie, I remember they were saying like it, it had like a, like a lot of stuff they were saying with the kind of stuff that kind of like turned me off from it. Like, you know, they said there wasn't going to be Mushu or a talking cricket or i mean like her side she's not gonna have like an animal sidekick and stuff like that um they were taking those elements out the other thing was you know if you remember the cartoon movie like her commanding officer was like her love interest too so they kind of they said they they was like nah like we're not doing that because it's wrong and like 20 20 to have like an authority figure 
um have like a relationship with his subordinate and stuff like that. And I was just like, all right, this is too much. Um, but then I finally uh, I watched the movie, and you know, it, it it's really well done because it, it definitely has like I don't know if everybody in the film was Chinese, but it definitely had like a um all Asian cast. Um, they had Jet Jet Li played the emperor. Um, Donnie Yen was actually like the um general. Donnie Yen, if you know him from Ip Man, if you know him from Star Wars Rogue One, um, so they had all these people, and I just thought it was really well done. It's a really well done movie in the fact that like it was all about Mulan. Like they they kind of like teased like a love interest, but at the end of the day, like, um, not to spoil it, but I don't, I don't think it, it should spoil it. It's like she don't doesn't even get together with that person. It was, it was really and truly like a story about Mulan. I think they did that excellently. And um, the other main like female uh, antagonist, um. You know, I don't because I think if I if I say it, it's gonna give away the movie. Mm. But, but I really want people to check it out. It was actually of these three movies, I thought it was like the best because it, it actually was really really well done, well written, um, excellent acting. Uh, they did Mulan like an incredible justice, like whatever the mythical. The Chinese myth about Mulan is like they they express that tremendously in this film, um, and right. I feel really good about having seen it. Uh, yeah, I know. Like a couple years ago, they were hyping it up that this was going to be like their movie for 2020. Like Disney was really pushing for this. I know we had Lion King. I think last year, right? Like they, they were pushing the live action versions of their uh, properties, other you know franchises and stuff, but. Um, uh, funny story. Oh, when I went to Walt Disney um, World in Orlando in '96, we went on the tour, and then you you would just drive around in a bus, and then we went through like the creative. I don't know if it was real, but it was like a creative like artist area, and they were like, "Hey, this yeah. is we're filming." Yeah, yeah I went you, there. I saw where the animators were. And yeah. Stuff like so yeah. I was gonna ask you, you you you've done that before? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So when I went. Hey, the next one, the next project down the line that we're working on is Mulan. And they show all like the, it was, they were getting ready for Mulan because the movie came out in 98, right? And mm-hmm. this was 96. So, you know, it takes like four years to do a anim- animated film. Um, and then um, I was actually supposed to see Blade, but but like my uh, my aunt was like, nah, you're too young. Get, come with us. They're, they're going to see Blade. We're going to see Mulan. I'm like, oh, all right. So I saw Mulan, yeah. you know, instead. I liked it. You know, I liked it. I love Eddie Murphy too. And this is before Shrek, because like a year later, two years later, he did Shrek. Yeah, I had the benefit like, of seeing both. <laughs> my, my mom didn't care. <laughs> yeah, so oh, yeah. both well, as a family. <laughs> I mean, like, no, it was my aunt. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like my, I, I probably would have like seen. I probably watched like some crazy like hardcore like horror movie the night before, and then I just went to my aunt's house. Um, yeah, so um, so that's my memory of watching Mulan. Um, that was at the heyday of the '90s Disney movies um not that the actual not, not the pixar version like the that was like pocahontas and that it was always like a, a lot of them were like leading what it was like female characters um i hadn't seen it since and then when i heard this was coming out um i i read that it was supposed to be like the a big movie 
Like, it was going to be a big – they were really going to push it hard. And they have. Like, if you have Fios in our area, and they, they show, like, every day, they'd be like, hey, check this out, like, when, like, your, your TV's on um, screensaver mode. And um, I just haven't watched it. You know, I will check it out. Um, another thing is you talked about, like, the Chinese – like, there's this – there's a type of film out there, uh, and there's like video games too. A Chinese, the Chinese China epics, mm-hmm. China Mongolia, like the epics, where like it's kind of like our our version of like the Wild West or like uh, King Arthur's Court, like where it's like it's historical, it's historically like, accurate stuff, but also a lot of mythical things added into it. Yeah, does that make sense? You know, with like uh, with knights and stuff. So um, a lot of movies I used to watch were pretty much how I saw that they were going to do Mulan as. Like, was there a lot of, like, fight scenes, like, in, like, vast um, planes with yeah. horses and I mean, stuff? It, it was like they, they went to war, so, yeah, yeah like, so war scenes and stuff. Yeah. A, that was very – that's a very uh, very big thing. And, of course, Disney is also trying to you – know, they're Disney's in China, like, with, like, the films. But a lot of their movies, the, they're crazy um, – epics with fight scenes and like wars on these like the uh because you gotta remember china is like so massive that they have their own like planes you know yeah and that's what i wanted to see i wanted to see how they would do that um but yeah that's cool yeah so i, I think it's like an excellent especially when you talk about representation and that's like a really underrepresented community um the 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 asian community on film um and telling their stories and stuff like that um i think that was great and i think it's an excellent film for like young girls because i think that was like the the um the 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 message that they were kind of, they were they were trying to portray or, or, or trying to convey was um you know the whole movie i mean in the beginning of the movie like her father real i, I think the thing the they kind of this that's the kind of thing that i i don't i, I didn't understand they kind of made they said like your chi um to hide your chi or your chi is strong and stuff like that um but yeah but they call it the chi so it kind of sounded like the force oh. from Star Wars. well the be, force got that from that probably most likely chi, chi, more, chi is like your spirit yeah she's like your spirit yeah so then like uh, you know, George Lucas, we, we hype up George Lucas and stuff. You know, he's just like he, Viking lore, Chinese lore, um, Japanese, uh, ja- Japanese with samurai, Darth Vader, obviously. He, he, he's a hybrid of Vikings and samurai stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, but like he, he, you know, the, 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 her father and her family wanted her to, you know, like her mom wanted her to be, you know, a bride and be. Uh, matched up with a um, matched up and be married off and stuff like that. And her father saw like knew like, you know, she she was more than that. But even he said to her like, you gotta hide that. Like you you can't be you can't show everybody that you know your chi is strong and stuff like that. And then by the end of the movie, it's like she she um. You know, she 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 shows like she did what most like she did more than any man in that movie did, and it wasn't done in like a you know um pandering type of way. Um, 
So I, I thought they did an excellent job in just telling like a, a woman's story that anyone, man, woman, child, black, brown, yellow, Chinese, whatever, like you, you'd be able to to relate to it or understand it and appreciate it. And I, I think they did a beautiful job. So shout out to the makers of that movie and all the actors that I don't know. I only don't really know Donnie Yen and um, Jet Li. I think her father was a guy that played um the father in um Rush Hour. I may be you wrong. You know what? I think I, I think I saw that too. Um, yeah, but like it's interesting with these um avenues of different storytelling they can do. Um, we are so used to or we're conditioned with like uh, Danville in distress. It's kind of like a especially like if you watch the thing about like again i brought up like knights like a uh, feudal europe knights like it's always like a, like a princess in distress or yeah. whatever but um like if you go to like celtic lore the uh the chieftains were men and women like there was like women in charge of like clans and stuff like it wasn't you know the way that we um a lot of the a lot of the myths and the stories that we we were grew up on, like China had that too. Japan was different. J- Japan had the you know the geisha and all that, but like China had that. Um, parts of Europe had that. Um, I'm sure like Africa had like tribal things. It was like women were not just um, seen as you know less lesser or not not capable of being like leaders, which I think is always interesting. Yeah, and like the last thing I want to say about Mulan, I, I, it's a trend that I really like in in a lot of movies. It's just like a lot of these um, writers and a lot of these filmmakers, like they're realizing like the total like unimportance of like love interests. Like, there's a lot of movies that's be- that are being told where there's no love interest and it's not holding back the story and um there's a lot of movies where they add in a love interest and like it kind of it, it doesn't make sense and it kind of holds back the story and stuff like that like i remember with avengers like they tried to shoehorn in like you know um black widow and and bruce banner like having some kind of romantical thing but then when you get to like endgame and infinity war it's like it don't like matter like they they, they just look at each other and be like hey like how are you doing? Like, because it, mm. it, it, they realized it was dumb and it wasn't important. So they did that. So now moving on to another movie about uh, a woman. Mm. Um, is, she, is she a Wonder Woman? Oh, yeah. Wonder. Um, Wonder Woman 84. So this was, we talked about Warner Brothers, you know, getting up in, um, Chris Chris Nolan's craw for deciding to release movies on HBO Max as opposed and also on theater also in theaters as opposed to just releasing them in theaters and then you know obviously doing a home release months after. Um, so Wonder Woman eighty four was the first big one. So that I dropped on Christmas Day. Um, at noon, so they had like a release date and a release time. Um, it was originally supposed to come out, I think, in like June, and then it also kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And then they decided like they're just gonna put it on um, Israel Max. So 
I've said I could, I, I thought I was the best person to be critical of it because, you know, although I find the first film to be really good, I wasn't as enamored with it as everyone else made it to be. I thought everybody like added like extra, um, you know, extra critical acclaim on it just because, you know, it's, it's a female director and, you know, it's a female star and they did a great job but this this one you know as people who you know if you check on social media it's really been um it had i wouldn't even say mixed reviews like the overall um consensus is 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 bad and as i watched the movie um a lot of things i didn't like um but the one thing i did like uh, I, I thought um Pedro Pascal, who mm, big fan, uh, exactly like I got introduced to him in um in Game of Thrones when he played mm. um. Why you rape my sister. Yeah, but he he was the one that fought the mountain, and I I thought like his effort, like his Christ. scenes his scenes was great. Um, and he's definitely like in that ter- and then obviously he became uh-huh. fame even more famous from um. Mandalorian. Oh, but he's also on the um the drug the drug cartel one. Oh, and yeah, he's on. Uh, but I, I haven't seen it, so I don't. I'm I pretty sure he's great in it. But he's he's definitely in that zone. Like I think there's three actors that's like in that zone where like even if they're in like a bad movie, like they're still really good in it. And it's like Mahershala Ali, mm-hmm. Christopher yeah. and now Pedro Pascal. Like even in this movie, this movie is awful, but. Mm, oh, his Max, his portrayal of Maxwell Lord was phenomenal, which is interesting because they use this character, and I've been waiting for them to. Uh, this character is in. He's part of my favorite, one of my favorite superheroes, like Continuum, uh, Booster Gold, which is like the uh, kind of sarcastic version of like the uh, Justice League of America, and he was kind of like a Ted million in the comics. He was a million dollar man, Ted DiBiase type guy. Mm-hmm. So I was interested to see how they're going to use it. And I'm always like, oh, they're going to make this movie. They're going to make this movie. Finally, they're going to make it. But they use this character. So they're going to do the roots, I mean, the uh, seeds of having Booster Gold and like all these other characters I liked. So I was like, how are they going to do it? Then I saw he was he was attached to play the character. And I was like, all right, fine. Here, let's see what happens. So how was his performance? It was it was great. It was it was phenomenal. Like he he definitely worked with what he had. And he he carried the flag for me in a movie. Like his scenes were like the ones where you know you wanted to watch, where the rest of the scene w- scenes weren't. I mean, I thought like Kristen Wiig as um Barbara Minerva slash uh, Cheetah was Cheetah. um it was ambitious, an ambitious mm-hmm. um casting. I know like the you, you know it's obviously like you know Heath Ledger. Um, being cast as the Joker, you're, you're thinking like, oh, like this don't make sense, blah 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 blah. And, but then when they finally do it, it's like, oh, like all right, it's, he's great as, as this person, blah 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 blah. Right. So yeah. So these are a lot of characters that they're they're diving into. There's like um like Cheetah. There's also um this other one that they're gonna. He's gonna be in one of the. Uh, he's a character who's like uh, anti-hero. Um. He's like a he's a TV broadcaster by day, and then at night he's like a fucking crazy like Joker type guy. 
uh, he's in, I think he might have been already in Suicide Squad. I'm not sure, but uh, the Pascal character he is pretending that he's like a good guy. Is that what is that is that did they do that in the movie where he's like pretending to be like a good guy but he's really bad? Is that right. part? Is because that that's that's what it was supposed to be. And Marvel's going to do it. There's there's Marvel has in the works Thunderbolts, which is the same thing where it's like a bad person pretending to be good, and then they're all like villains, and then they're going to like flip it. I thought that's what they were going to go with with this. So, because uh, I I know in the comics are completely different than the movies. I just I'm really interested to hear about uh how they put how they use this character in it so i guess i would just have to watch it myself yeah and yeah and um you know that was one of my criticisms of the original wonder woman like i personally felt like gal got it and um chris pine like they didn't really have like chemistry Mm -hmm. or they didn't have like superb chemistry but in this movie they kind of like leaned into it real heavy because the point of the movie is like wanting something what do you want so bad that you're willing to sacrifice something for it so the long and short of it is like she wanted um steve trevor um chris pine's character back from the dead like or i mean not back from the dead but she wanted him back yeah because it's a different you gotta remember we gotta people that don't know that like she's like what she's like immortal pretty much right so it starts off in world war one now we're in 84 right yeah and she in order for her to do that like she had to give up like sacrifice some of her powers and stuff like that um and you know they it, it, it like to me it didn't like work for me like to me that that's still still a lack of chemistry was there um there was a very well placed cameo um post credits um and you know in in hindsight being as bad as the movie is it it it, it was placed where it belonged like right, now from... I will watch it I will um, watch it now is is it hinting at the uh, justice league actually i was i think one of the issues there i i mean but i guess that also comes with the territory of just like the unknown with the Justice League mm. and the whole DCEU, well, like they kind of wanted this movie. Well, Patty Jenkins, the director, she described it kind of like Indiana Jones and James Bond, where it's just like an independent mm. adventure rather than something that is like a sequel to the next movie and yeah. then setting up like, I mean, the prior movie and then setting up like a sequel to the next movie. So oh, that's that's how they tried to do it. But I think, like, to me, the major, like, my main, um, what I took away from the movie was it kind of seemed like a movie about everybody else but Wonder Woman mm-hmm. that Wonder Woman just happened to be in. Mm, okay. Yeah, I know it's two and a half hours, which is insane. Yeah, and that's another thing. I mean, Avengers was three ten, but that's when you had like forty characters in it. There were definitely like areas where there could have been like some cuts, and um, uh... I'll check it out. I actually will watch this. Maybe we'll do a uh, flip. I'll uh, give my thoughts on it too because I grew up comic book fan. I'm not a DC. I'm I'm not a Wonder Woman fan. I never really read. I know that she. I, I whenever I read something and she's in it. But I don't know. I don't know much about like the backstory to, um, you know, and the Amazon, you know, and all that stuff. Um, 
I'm surprised it took that long for them to redo it again because they had it in the 70s and it was in the 70s it was Linda Carter and it was more just kind of like a tongue in cheek and more like the Hulk with uh David Banner you know with uh Michael was it what's his name yeah because it was a TV series yeah it was a TV series in the 70s and um you know I mean the Hulk too at the same time was a uh, Michael B- Billings, not Michael Billingsbury. That's that's from uh, Christmas Story. Uh, Peter Billingsbury, Billingsbury, whatever. So um, I'm surprised it took that long, but I think it took all the other movies to come out for them to be like, okay, all right, we're going to do this now. We're going to try this again. Um, but we the same thing that you were saying, how um, that everyone's expecting everything to be intertwined and to hype up the next one before you even seen this one. Get ready for the next one. Uh, that's gone. Like even Joker, they they uh, Adam McKay and all that. They're like they were strictly they were saying this is a standalone film, nothing to do with Batman, nothing to do with anything else. But they still had to intertwine it a little bit. And now, like apparently, the next Joker that's going to come out is going to be part of the DC. You know, the whatever version they're going to have next, because after, with this, the Justice League thing, they're coming out. We should talk about this too. That. HBO Max is going to release a and in theaters like a four hour epic with like new I don't think scenes it's in added, theaters. Right? I think it's just on HBO Max. But I, but I heard that they're going to uh, they might because this is going to be um, in the summer or next Christmas, I think. Right. So they actually might do it by then. They they were saying. I just read. I heard about well, it. Like it's, a week ago. it's four hours long. So I, I know it's only on HBO Max. I think they're releasing it like episodically over like. You know, one month they'll have like one two hour thing, and then the next month, oh, one month they'll have an hour, and then the next week they'll have an hour or something like that. Like, keep in mind, this is all coming from Zack Snyder, so he talks a lot. Yeah. He's like, "That's gonna be in uh, both." He, he was like, you know, he's like a loud enough. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it in in like conclusion, I just um I feel like Wonder Woman, the original, the the first one, and. Aquaman were really good movies and then everything else was either um you know it it it, it it's either like mixed reviews or it's bad so i just think like Wonder Woman and Aquaman are the exception and the other movies, Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, Justice League, like all those bad movies, Wonder Woman 84, like those are the rule. So until, unlike Marvel, where it's like the MCU, where it's like, all right, like even like the bad movies, it's like they're still like kind of okay. Like, mm. and that's why they could get away with having like a cinematic universe, whereas like DC has kind of like, you know, it's kind of like ham-fisted and kind of like rushed, and I, I, that's just my my conclusion on Wonder Woman eighty four. Final thoughts. All right, so uh, everyone knows my, he's gonna puke. It's my Instagram. Talk about classic wrestling. Talk about modern wrestling. Um, so on Christmas last week, I'm surprised. Usually, like if my dad, my, my father would give me a gift, it was either uh, bought for him to give me or i asked him for it like over the years but i opened it up and it was um i got two books one was um too sweet it's like the last 15 20 years of post ecw wcw purchase by wwe wwf and like the the resurgence of 
the next generation, the next two generations, and then the one prior to that, same um, in the same vein, it was about the 70s and 80s with uh, Vince McMahon taking over all the other territories and the other, not taking over, the other one's folding because they were trying to do the same thing at, at the same time. But the next day, uh, it was announced that uh, Brody Lee, uh, everyone, at least if you watch WWE, you know him as Luke Harper from uh, the Wyatt family. Uh, 40, 41 years old, passed away um, from like a lung issue. The last match he had on TV, I believe, was in October, and it was him uh, dropping the title to Cody Rhodes at the TV title. So um, I just thought it would be interesting to bring up because um, he's part of this book that came out, uh, Keith Elliott Greenberg's book. Uh, if people who watch like podcasts about wrestling, you, you've seen his name. Uh, they're they're highlighting obviously like the Young Bucks and stuff, but there was other groups too. Like they had the Chikara, which was like in the uh, Pennsylvania area. Uh, he was part of that um, in the two thousands, and then like ROH. And then obviously in the last 10 years, he was with WWE. So I just thought uh, people that are fans of wrestling, uh, check this book out. Uh, it came out 2020, but a lot of things happened in 2020 that um, could have been added to this. But the culmination is AEW and Brody Lee debuted in AEW after like, sitting out for about like almost a year from WWE. He was supposed to debut in his hometown in Rochester, New York. But that was the first week where AEW had to go to uh, empty arena shows. So it's just interesting that, like, that was in March. And uh, already, you know, if you if, if you follow uh, any wrestling accounts, everyone's talking about how, uh, you know, everyone, like, appreciated him and stuff like that. When I saw him, uh, like, in the mid-2000s, uh, Bray Wyatt was, like, on the sidelines. He was, like, kind of like the manager of, like, their little group at the time because they were, like um, – they're doing just like a, like a tag team match. And this dude was doing like uh, inseguries, doing like uh, power slams off the top rope and all this crazy high flying shit too. And the guy's like, you know, even for WWE, he was a big guy. He was like six foot something, you know, six foot eight. And uh, so that's not, you know, of course also, you know, he had a family and everything. So I just want to say as a wrestling fan, I appreciate everything you did. And, um, you know, everyone who knew him and everything, I, you know, sorry for your loss. And everything we talked about today, I'm usually the one who watches a lot of the things that we're talking about, and um, I really, I really am going to go back and watch uh, Mulan. I'm going to watch, uh, I'm going to watch uh, Wonder Woman '84. It's just that you know, hectic time. Um, but I got a good picture. Uh, I, I trust Shug's opinion, and I respect his opinion. So uh, maybe we'll do a. I'll do, I'll do a return to this and just uh, give my opinion on it. Um, I, I can, Specifically about the thing with the social media and the white student losing her uh, ability to go to college, her dream college. I'm looking at it as a white man. Um, only thing I can think that I want, I would say is that social media uh, has driven 2020 like you know it's 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 a powerful force um it's still not it's not even wild west anymore it's it's pretty controlled but it's a very powerful uh, force and i think um shit should, should they add a, a social media class to school now 
for kids coming out in like first grade. That might be the thing they do because they do that for college. They do that for football Sensitiv- players. Sensitivity training. Exactly. Is that we talked about that with the hockey player? That might actually be a real thing. Yeah. Hey, do we need fizz at every goddamn day? Maybe, maybe every other day do a. But then you know, training. like the the other side, they're gonna be like, "Oh, that's like politically correct," and blah 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 blah. But I mean, at the same time, like these people are having to correct their actions later in lot in life, anyways. And I think if you kind of instill that in like them while they're still, you know, um, developing, then maybe like by the time she's 15, 14, 15, 16 years old and she's driving and she puts out this video. Um, you know, by that time in life, you know better. Um, yeah, like the what do you call that again? That that's cool. They used to have um you know, I, I just knew it right a second ago. Um finishing school. I mean finishing school is not being an asshole nowadays, <laughs> you know. Uh we have to come up with a name, we'll uh we'll uh trademark it, you know. But yeah, and then also with uh, CC Sabathia, we'll watch it. Um, it's during the we're, we're filming this during the week, so um, when I have time, I'll, I'm gonna definitely watch it. Um, great title too, because like it had to do with uh, where he they, they said that he started like, under the grapefruit tree. He would like nice. toss the apples and toss like you know. Well, and then that's a, that's, a be- <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a that's a beautiful thing though. I like that. It's like a you know natural thing. I like that. That was a, a the po- the poster was well done and everything. Um, but yeah, so 2020 is wrapping up. Man, we have one day left. So, um, my goal for our show, for our for our show, is um, more content, more content, more content on on YouTube and everything. Just and on and on other social media things too. Just like snippets and stuff. Just more and more eyes on us because um, I'm a fan of our show, and I know I know other people because I'm getting DMs from people. And uh, like one one person said, like, oh, I watched all your videos this week and it was awesome and everything. And that's that's awesome. Like that's you know, um, if more people see it, then you know, I think more people will agree, and then we'll take it from there. It's only been yeah. six months. And like I said, like if you think it's awesome, like let people know. Like don't keep it to yourself. <laughs> like that's that's how we we're gonna blow up. Um, but on on Luke Harper. Uh, Brody Lee, uh, what's his real name? John, 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 Hu- John Huber? Huber, John Huber, yeah. Um, like 41, 80 to no 79 to uh, 2020, yeah. And it was very unexpected. Um, you know, they said it's not due to COVID, it was he had like a lung issue, um, before all of that. And, um, you know, I, I'll tell you the one thing I get out of it, and the thing that I like. I mean, death is horrible, but the one thing I, I I like to see when somebody unfortunately um leaves us is just like how people respond to um how people talk about them after they they left and the mark he left on this world and it had people from WWE. Um, obviously he was there for many, many years and then people in AEW that he was in there for, um, just what, one or two years. Um, no, no, he debuted in, um, March, the week of lockdown. So yeah. So March like 18th, I think. Yeah. So, um, and just everybody is just talking about how great of a person he is sharing videos of him. Um, 
these long, uh, great statements about him, and it's it's extreme. And um, I seen like Jr. went the day after he passed away, went and spent time with his his um his wife and and his kids. You know, to to be you know the fact that the wrestling family came out this way, but in general, just like people talking about how great of a person he was. Like, that's awesome to see because, you know what, that gives people like, you know, us who are still here motivation to be better people and to have a positive influence on everybody, like everybody's life. So that when we're gone, our presence is still felt and people still think of us fondly. So that, 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 I, I always think when I see these, you know, that's like the, the, the bright side um or the blessing in disguise when these people pass on is just like the beautiful way they're remembered so um my prayers go to his family and my condolences and and all of that stuff um and I, I was like I always thought he was talented and I was really like Mike said he only debuted in March just as you know this this pandemic started um and it looked like he was definitely going to be like a prominent, a more more prominent um, person in AEW than he had been with uh, WWE. And I always used to find that, like you know, when people move jump ship from, especially back in the day, WCW and and WWE, WWF at the time, you know, there was a lot of times like there'll be like mid card guys would come to from one promotion to like the next promotion and like they give them like a big push and it's just like yo this dude sucks like why but like i just saw him and i remember like the, the, you know they said he, he was going to be like the leader of this dark order like the stable and he was going to be like the guy and i was just like excited because i was like this dude's always been like a scarier like a scary looking dude and obviously like from these statements like in real life like he was far from that um so i was really excited to see what would have happened to him in in that in 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 aew and unfortunately um that experience has been taken away from us and Brody lee has been taken from us um but he will he will be missed he clearly because everybody in his profession that he's he's met with um surely miss him um but as far as this show is concerned um you know the stuff about the 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 young girl and the the young man that um put out this video um at the end of the day it's her creation like uh i i mean i'm i'm i didn't grow or develop more um as a person more than anyone else but I, I knew at the age of like 14 and 15, like there were certain things you can't do and say that wouldn't come back and bite you. Um, it's, it's unfortunate for her. And I hope that she learns um, a lesson from it. Cause at the end of the day, like this young man, he was uh, being harassed for, you know, being part black in school and the school didn't really like hear his cries I mean, not his cries or his his complaints or or took his complaints serious, so he kind of had to take things into his own hands. And I'm I think like putting out a video that this girl 
posted herself is like probably like the least extreme thing he could have done. I mean, now if he would have showed up and like tried to kill her or something, then you know that that's one thing. You know that 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 would be the drastic thing. I don't think what he did was drastic at all. He was just you know bringing her um bringing her wrongdoing to light. You know, uh, like I said, hopefully she learns from it. Cece, like I said, I thought like it was incredible uh, to see like how he is off the field and to hear from Amber, hearing from his mom, hearing from his kids, hearing from his teammates. Um, it was a beautiful documentary. I hope like even more athletes get that kind of like platform and that type of produ- production because I loved HBO documentaries since I was a kid. Like I said, um, the Babe Ruth. I mean, I remember they had like a Curse of the Bambino documentary, and I watched that. Um, so it was great to see something that I was like a part of. And then um, these movies coming out, like all three of these movies were movies. I, I'll admit I would have not went out to the movies to see personally. I would have waited for them to be on demand or on these streaming services. So the fact that, you know, I had the ability to just like, oh, like I don't have nothing better to do. There's nothing really on TV. Just pop them on and give them a shot, you know, especially something like Mulan, where I didn't really, like, anticipate watching it at all, but I'm like, it's there, why not give it a shot, you know, so that supports my argument from a couple of weeks before, um, but Soul was definitely worth watching, um, you know, I personally didn't like Wonder Woman 84, maybe some other people did, um, uh, but Mike, you you wanted to say something about something we have upcoming on our on YouTube? Yeah, so uh going forward we have uh we have all this stuff in the can, as they say, in uh in our industry, uh back in the nineteen twenties Hollywood. Um all right, so Sugar's been working really hard. Really hard on a because uh, we all know that Sugar's into uh Yankees and sports. Uh we have the black seats. Uh people know that the 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 name what that means is that uh there was an area there's a section in uh yankee stadium that um they had a, they had a blackout and no fans could sit there because it was uh visually um messing up um the batter's point of view and everything and um yeah so we already have a bunch uh, already ready to go uh, if you like Saved by the Bell uh, video you're, and you like sports, you're going to love this because it's very, very Ken Burns-ish. And uh, me and Ken Burns have one thing in common, two things in common. We like, we like history and we also got, we got bad haircuts. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's going to be coming out. And um, going forward, like, you know, a lot of things you hear on, on the podcast, you're going you're gonna to see the video of it. Um, because we 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 finally got the, the kinks the, the bugs worked out on it. Yeah, so this has been episode thirty three, the last episode of twenty twenty, and episode thirty four will be the first episode of twenty twenty. So look out for that, and I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. And this has been 
Shug me the moony, shug me the moony, shug me the moony.